Hello. Hello and welcome to the Betsy, Betsy Boss, Boss Podcast. Welcome back. There is a lot going on this Ooh. June in the world, yes. people. All right. There is a lot going on in the LGBTQ community. There's a lot going on in the black community. And there's a lot going on in the uh, the intersectional community that going on to both at the same time. Um, it's really easy to get discouraged because there's just a lot of black transgender murders, specifically trans women of color are just super targeted. Which I was going to say, yeah, are definitely the most vulnerable, um, you know, in any situation. Yeah. And it's so scary. Um, so basically, you know, we have bad news and good news and we're going to give you the bad right. news first. The bad news is that there were two black trans women killed in the United States in really the past week, which is just a shockingly short amount of time for two people to die. So it's two black trans women. Their names were Raya Milton in Ohio and Dominique. She went by Remy Fells and she was in Pennsylvania and they were both killed earlier this week. I didn't know she was in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I think Philly. Um, And there's just obviously been this huge outcry from all these different activists and protesters, which is so great to protect black people and specifically black trans people. And the Trump administration was sort of edging closer and closer to reversing all of these great protections for the trans community. Yeah, I heard there were, yeah, a bunch of marches kind of, you know, protesting this, obviously. Yeah, and um, basically the simplified watered-down version is that Trump was and his administration was trying to unprotect the LGBTQ community in the United States healthcare system. So people were understandably very angry about that. Um, it was, you know, an uproar about this. And um, the one woman was actually shot and killed during a robbery um, on June 9th. And Apparently, this 25-year-old woman worked as a home health aide and went to the University of Cincinnati. It's just, it's so sad. And just a day earlier, Dominique, or Remy Fells, was actually found dead in Philly. Um, And it was basically ruled a homicide, which unfortunately claims the lives of so many trans women of color um, and trans people in general people of color in general um, but especially that little um, subdivision of folks Um, and it's just so sad especially in the middle of pride month in the middle of all of these protests when so much great stuff is happening great work is being done i think people we really even have come to a greater understanding we've really been trying to do the work yeah and I think learn. I think people even who weren't really open not that they weren't open to it before but it just would kind of be like oh that's not my problem that's not something I need to think about I think this last movement like this most recent you know these protests have really opened up people's eyes even much further than people that were already kind of you know on board with it so it is really a shame to see but I mean there's no but in this situation yeah. But <laughs> I guess the one good thing is that there has been such momentum um, for black lives. And it's kind of especially during colliding with Pride Month that um, it's kind of bouncing off of that and saying all black lives matter, including black trans lives. Yeah. And so these are the stories that may not get the 
attention or haven't gotten the attention definitely haven't gotten the news coverage and whatnot but at least on social media i've seen these stories all over the place so yeah you know if that's one positive that these stories are really being covered and there's much more of a push than i think there has been in the past yeah that's a really good way to put it and um kind of a silver lining of all this and just to give you an idea of kind of how much of a crisis it is that the trans um, people of color are facing at this time at least 14 trans people or gender non-conforming people were killed in 2020 alone wow. um, in 2019 at least 26 trans people or gender non-conforming people were violently killed um, the majority of those were black trans women um, over 130 trans people or gender non-conforming people were killed between 2013 and 2018 um, and honestly, the numbers are probably a lot higher, yeah. but the killing of these people, a lot of the time just goes unreported yeah. or misreported. Or I, I was going to say just the dignity and death type of thing where are their family members or are, you know, going to want to report them as a trans individual or is it right. just, you know, is it not going to go reported in that statistic there? Yeah. So... Um, basically, it's even more critical at this time, as you were saying, that, you know, as we start to look inward and look outward at, you know, what's wrong with the world and what can I do personally to counteract these issues, um, it's really an interesting time for these deaths to coincide with the Trump administration looking at kind of overturning these um, different protections that were from the Obama era Um to exclude transgender people and they basically they were going to do this by um sort of defining gender as your biological sex so your assigned sex at birth and in that way insurance companies could basically deny coverage for transition related treatments and i even read something and i hope i don't miscommunicate it in any way um but for example if a trans man were to get treated for um, ovarian cancer mm-hmm. or um, issues having to do with a female anatomy that didn't match kind of the gender um, that that person had become or had um, identified with, identified yeah. with, well done, um, then that could be at risk for not being covered. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, again, like you said, the kind of watered down um, version that I saw as well. It was really about being able to just deny flat out deny coverage right so in the wake of all that though um the lgbt community had a huge victory yeah, this today is a big one huge huge deal and you've been studying this case for quite some oh, time <laughs> yes i have yes i have i've been helping my cousin with a paper actually on this it was so funny because we got a email at work about this today and they didn't mention the case specifically. They mentioned, obviously, the outcome. And I was like, oh, I know exactly what case this is because I've been helping Ooh, my cousin yeah. with a paper on this. So Yeah. And it's kind of funny. I mean, not funny, but interesting that we even had an issue in this country with um, being able to prohibit people from getting a certain job based on their sexual orientation. Yeah. It's like, crazy. unless your job is to be a straight man <laughs> right. and you're a gay man, yeah. then I don't see how your sexual orientation is going to have any impact on yeah. your ability to perform your job. Well, and the scary thing, too, is that it, it wasn't a protected class. I remember, I want to say we might have had maybe not this specific question, but something kind of on 
like similar related to this in some of our classes because I know especially in constitutional law that um, that professor liked to do stuff that was kind of relevant topic wise and um, I think it was definitely something similar to this Mm -hmm. and to me it just was always really surprising that you could discriminate against somebody for I don't know any like how can this not fall under the the sex um, protected class. Oh, just, totally. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Remember, um, we studied the one case that there was this woman who I think became a higher up at her company. She was really, um, you know, brash and not feminine and kind of sloppy. Mm-hmm. And she wore sort of not very feminine oh. clothing and stuff like yeah. that. Is that... I'm going to... No, I know. I, I remember, remember the case. I don't remember the name, but I remember this because the other girl that we sat next to on the first day that I sat next to, but she talked about how at her firm that she was interning with, the women were still required to wear skirts and pantyhose when they went into the courtroom. Crazy. And honestly, it's so hard because if the rules fit into a certain loophole, you know, it can be totally illegal. Like we were learning all about um, different job positions and especially flight attendants who worked for certain airlines, they were allowed to be discriminated against based on their looks, based on their weight, based on, you know, not being feminine enough, whatever. It was all part of the job description. It was all part of the job description, and it was much more of a casting-type job, they called it, than just a typical nine-to-fiver. Right. Um, So the looks were part of the job. but And in the instance of this woman who, um, you know, was sort of brash and bold and um a little bit more stereotypical feminine yeah a little bit more masculine energy and sounds kind of like a ball buster in a you know in a good way I mean frankly I think that's why she got as far as she did yeah um but you know basically she was either um her job position was jeopardized or she was somehow chastised for not being feminine yeah she was it was something about makeup wasn't it Oh, I think so. Yeah, it was like something about... <laughs> yeah, they were like, why don't you uh, like yeah. try and make yourself look a little bit more presentable or something? Yeah. I don't know. I forget the exact context. Ugh. But I just remember all of us women in the class, in our law school class, were like, what the hell? How is that not, you know? I know. Like, by the book discrimination. Oh, my God. Well, clearly it was because we were reading about it in the book. Exactly. <laughs> hey, now. But, Ugh. yeah, basically... This is a huge, huge victory to be able to protect these gay, lesbian, transgender employees from being disciplined, fired, or otherwise, you know, turned down for a job based on their sexual orientation alone. Ridiculous that that would even be an issue, like I said, unless you're, (laughs) like applying for the role of lesbian yeah woman and you're again like you said i think your example is perfect with um you know like more of a casting role where it's like we're looking for xyz and you know for this certain role in a movie like all right fine i guess you know but what was really cool about today actually were two of the Republican appointees of the court, which were Gorsuch and Roberts, joined in the Democratic appointees. Did they really? Yes. So that it was a six to three victory. Wow. Um, for those arguing for the anti discrimination protections. So that was really cool that wow. it's so obviously the right choice that even these kind of hardcore they Republicans can't deny it. It's it, it, by the book, like it's you said. By the book, man. Like you just have to know when it's wrong, it's wrong. Yep. Um, and again, I mean, it's these arguments that 
were like crazy left-wing radical liberal arguments like just a few years ago and now you have this Gorsuch guy who's like a super conservative fellow just like yeah nope we uh the 1964 Civil Rights Act totally protects um discrimin- protects against discrimination based on sexual orientation yeah. I mean my god th- that paper was a nightmare to help my cousin with so I've blocked some of it out but I did listen to the whole um, oral argument there and you could tell because it was cool to actually listen to it and not just read the transcript um, and you could tell that the questioning on different on both sides was very different and so I think it was pretty obvious kind of where the case was going to go but it's still definitely a really exciting outcome yeah so this topic today might seem a little bit out of left field because it's not really going along with any of the themes that we're seeing outside of our windows today, but we both have been dying to do this topic for a very yeah. long time. This was on our original list. Oh, this was on the short list, yeah. and it's just a fascinating, fucked up story that I think you all will probably be just as entertained by, confused by, scared of as we are. Yeah. Is captivating yes. and that's the story of gypsy rose blanchard yes blanchard? Our, uh gypsy rose one of the two they've said both blanchard i think i'd say blanchard but blanchard blanchard blanchard, blanchard. yeah this shit's fucked up people yeah. so buckle your seatbelts on yeah. your wheelchairs that you may or may not yes need and that's right we're going for a bumpy ride mm-hmm. and it's called munchausen's by proxy mm-hmm. okay yes so it all starts off with our girl Dee Dee, named Claudine Yikes. Petre. Petri? You know, Louisiana. Yeah, has Chac different Bay. ways of pronouncing stuff. Yes, that is that is definitely a unique dialect. It's we listened, we heard that in the, um, the pharmacist. The pharmacist too. Yeah, it's it's funny because being from the East Coast, I know we talked about it then too. Like I hear some. Long Island, oh yeah, or something, Island. yeah. But then you're like, wait, no, it's it it's it's a mashup of different things from the ear that like we're used to up here. So it's interesting, right? Um, but so she was born in Louisiana in 1967. Um, she grew up with her family near Golden Meadow, Eesh. and she was the daughter of Claude Anthony Petre. Again, I'm probably not going to pronounce this right. Eh. Senior and Emma Lois. Just Claire, just Claire. Mm. She had five siblings. Wait, I'm just reading this for the first time. So the father's <laughs> name, like I copied it and I copied the sibling's name, but I never read them really. How he's Claude and she's Claudine. He's Claude, she's Claudine, but we also have Claude Jr. and Claudine. No. <laughs> yes, amongst the A little siblings. bit of a narcissist. Maybe that's why she uh, developed the problem that oh, she had. She, yeah, I don't know how much you have about her early life. Not a lot. I So I watched a documentary. I think it was The Mommy Dead and Dearest. Oh, that was a classic. And she had kleptomaniac tendencies. She wrote um, uh, checks that bounced. She stole credit card. Like, and, really a criminally riddled past yeah, but and the, present. Oh, the craziest thing was, this is this was some major foreshadowing, when her mother kind of became ill she became her caretaker and pretty much um ended up starving her to death shit yeah i did not and know the that. family members even kind of 
tried to intervene or tried to talk to her siblings like hey this is not right but she was kind of the main caretaker and she was denying her mother food and pretty much starved her to death damn well if that is not a little bit of foreshadowing i don't know what is yep yep and she said and it was interesting too they said her mom was even the same way with the kleptomania and all that stuff so um how old was she when she starved her mother to death (laughs) that was casual how old old were you when you deprived your mother of life-saving food i think it had to have been before she had gypsy so probably in her early 20s yikes yeah so definitely old enough to know better I'm oh right. my god well yeah to be her caretaker too like you had wow. to be yeah yeah where did she fall um in the line of siblings do you know i don't know no i let's just hope it, so the way they list them out from wikipedia um <laughs> so they said she had five siblings claude jr claudia mm-hmm. then it was Evans, Dorla, and Todd. Yikes. So let's just hope it didn't go Claude, Claudia, Claudine. Right? <laughs> or any of that. Any, yeah, any of those mix. Like, Jeez the mix of those please. would be pretty bad. That so. is tough, man. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I don't know if you have anything between, like, her early life and Gypsy, but... I just have about uh, meeting the, hus- the Gypsy's father. Oh, go for it. Yeah, okay. So... I should have fact-checked this because this was a little... Again, Wikipedia, though, hasn't failed me yet. Right. Um, So she was 24 and became pregnant by Rob Blanchard, who was 17. Yikes. Not good. Cougar. Yeah, yeah. She stole the cradle. Oh, yeah. She also raped the underage. Um, Oh, she raped him? Well, he's 17. She's 24. But I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Especially, too, um, given the time period and everything. Word. Yeah, you know. Um, But he was actually interviewed, Rob, the father. And he said, being in the South, you get a girl pregnant, you get married. So um, they got married and um, because she had gotten pregnant and um, they named their daughter Gypsy Rose because Claudine, Dee Dee, liked the name Gypsy and Rod was a fan of Guns N' Roses. Yep. So there we go. It's a classic song. Yeah. Uh, So they split before her birth on July 27th, 1991. Which, by the way, she is younger than both of us. I know. Barely younger. It's my birthday today, y'all. Hey. Yeah. But but still, though, like, yeah, she's just about a year younger than you. Ugh. Right? She's about a month younger. Or a month younger. Yeah, that's right, because you're 91. Yeah, well. <laughs> 91, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, so Dee Dee then, because they were split up, took uh, Gypsy to her parents' home. And just about three months old was when this all really started to happen. Um, she told... I guess they were still married at this point, but she told um, Rob that Gypsy had sleep apnea yep. and needed a breathing machine. Which, by the way, I mean, what baby has sleep apnea? I know. And, my God, how freaking sad is that? Yeah. Like, and, ugh, I mean, it didn't take her long to start heaping on the other diseases. Oh, my God. And just coming up with everything that she could, you know, throw at the wall the and see what sticks. Yeah, she had... 
um, leukemia. She had muscular dystrophy. She required a wheelchair. Right. She needed a feeding tube. I mean, they went on and on. She had seizures, asthma, yeah. hearing aids, visual problems. I mean, whoa. Yeah, she had to have her teeth removed. She had to have dentures. Oh, that was so like, fucked up. I would kill oh, my mother if she removed oh my, my teeth. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it just... And in this documentary, they show a, um, a shot of her medicine cabinet, which very similar to the act it pretty much a, a good portrayal there where it was just tons and tons of medications oh god yeah. and it sounds like i mean she had all of these different surgical interventions that obviously were unnecessary right. which we'll get to and we'll talk about um, munchausen's and kind of what it means but she just got prescribed all of these crazy medications like you said had to use a breathing machine when she went to sleep and because of all the medications she basically started to develop these crazy yeah. symptoms as a result of right. those, including the fact that her teeth rotted out of oh. her fucking head. Oh. And they think, I mean, that could have been her meds. That could have been the missing salivary glands that, by the way, got it's removed. Insane. Or ugh, God knows what. Yeah. But they got yoinked out. Yep. Yeah. It ended up being a situation, too, where, like you said, it, it created these symptoms. And then they're treating those symptoms that are created by the medications with more medications. And yes. it's just oh, it's none just of it is necessary, which is the saddest thing. Vicious cycle. It's really sad. And, yeah. you know, the truth behind it is that, you know, you I don't know if anybody's seen a picture of Gypsy. We'll post one on our Instagram. But she looked incredibly ill, incredibly malnourished. Yeah. It's very, very young for her age. Mm -hmm. um, part of that was being confined to a wheelchair and being dressed by her mother. Her mom dressed her in these childish outfits. Oh, yeah. um, and had her, like, speaking in this little voice, which I don't know if that was, like, part of the infantilism that the mother treated her with. So I wonder about that, too, because even watching, I've watched some documentary or some interviews with her now, um, and she still speaks with that voice, and it could have definitely been a developed thing because if you – speak a certain way your whole life yeah you never know you know but i wouldn't be surprised at all because um i'm sure we'll get into this or pepper this in but um she didn't even know how old she was no you know up until kind of this whole thing happened um her mother wanted to keep her younger and didn't i think she was really fighting that 18 age because yeah. that would give her a lot of freedom and independence yeah mm -hmm. so she wanted to you know any way she could to falsify those documents and Whatever she could do to keep her younger, right? she would do. Keep her compliant, yeah. keep her, you know, controllable. It's so sad. Yeah. Um, and, of course, behind this fake condition, these litany of fake conditions, Gypsy could walk. She didn't need any of these special tubes and treatments. She didn't have cancer. Her mother shaved her head, which also I, I would know. tell my mother if she shaved my damn head. Um, but basically, they thought that it was this um, – fictitious disorder that Dee Dee had that totally made her fabricate oh yeah gypsies you know diseases and it was all under the guise of like trying to get this attention and sympathy for mm -hmm. caring for a sick child which is like textbook munchausen's oh, obviously like yeah this is probably the worst case and the most blatant case of a, of a mother that's got munchausen by proxy right yeah um so getting back to, I guess, a little bit of the history. Yeah, bring it. Uh, so, again, they were originally in Louisiana, um, and then they had Hurricane Katrina hit. And this will also kind of feed into, you know, some of the things that happened later on and why they were able to happen. 
Um, but in September of 2005, they moved from Louisiana to Missouri. This wasn't their final house that um, was eventually built in 2008 by Habitat for Humanity. Jesus. Yeah, in Springfield, Missouri. It had the wheelchair ramp, hot tub, and there's, you know, several videos out there of them at the house, accepting the house. Um, you know, it just... It's insane to think, too, when there's people that actually need this house. Oh, my gosh. And how about, I mean, this was just one of a huge myriad of different benefits and charities that sponsored Gypsy and her mother. Um, I mean, you know, this is kind of jumping around, but they sponsored visits to concerts. They sponsored visits to Disney. um, And the entire time, Dee Dee, this very sick woman was just like basking in the glow oh, yeah. of all of the attention yeah. she was getting yep. and she looked like this incredibly devoted you know um selfless woman when in reality she was not yeah she was an evil person causing so much pain for and manipulating so many people it was just crazy yeah so when gypsy was 14 she actually saw a neurologist in Missouri. And what's funny is, I mean, or what's interesting or sad or however you want to picture it, however you want to put it, I just find myself thinking, how did nobody pick up on this? How did nobody um, catch this? How did none of these doctors understand it? Um, And I think the answer is that these people who suffer from this condition, this Munchausen's disorder syndrome, Um, are just incredible liars they're chameleons they're liars they transform themselves into this sympathetic character and they fool everybody even trained doctors so um, like I said Gypsy went to the neurologist at 14 and the doctor really had some suspicions at the time yeah so the guy never reports anything he he sees something but he doesn't say nothing Mm -hmm. and in later interviews he basically says that he didn't think there was enough evidence to substantiate his feelings um and apparently by 2009 there was an anonymous report made to the cops that said that Dee Dee was making these accounts and stories about Gypsy's ailments that had no basis in medical reality yeah. whatsoever. Um, and again, I mean, this was a second chance for Gypsy to really be set free, for Dee Dee to be found out. But the two caseworkers who came to the home to visit and to check <sighs> on everything were convinced by Dee Dee, again, this manipulative, cunning yeah. liar that there was nothing wrong and they turned around and left yeah well and so what i was kind of hinting at before too is one of the things that worked in her favor was she was able to use this sympathetic character that she created you know this caring devoted mother and also she was able to say that gypsy's medical records were all destroyed in hurricane katrina oh such a good excuse yeah so we don't have we don't have it but um you know like when i again was watching this so many of the doctor's medical reports would say mother says mother relays mother you know describes because their medical records which it actually was found out after the fact that not all of her medical records were um gone yeah. They weren't destroyed in Hurricane Katrina, so. Well, and what's crazy, too, is Dee Dee actually had nursing training, I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, she kind of learned what symptoms were associated oh, yeah. with which ailments. She learned the lingo. Yep, she learned what medication could, you know, be used to mimic certain conditions, certain illnesses. 
Um, and she also was such a good manipulator that she instructed Gypsy really early on, listen, buddy, like, don't you volunteer any information during these doctor's appointments. I'm going to say everything. Right. You let me do the talking. Right. Um, so she could just rattle off these fake medical facts and Gypsy really just sat silent because, yeah. you know, and what are you going to do? She didn't know any better. Well, that's that's the thing she said that she, when she, again, all of this happened and she, um, you know, was talking to the police, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, um, but she thought everything was real except for the only thing she knew was that she could walk mm-hmm. and that she was saying that she couldn't. Aside from that, she thought she had leukemia. She thought she had all these ailments because this was how she like she knew nothing different she didn't know anything else and so you know that's very easy to manipulate somebody like that where you know it's she's in total control and doesn't know kind of her own age (laughs) yeah yeah or or just you know kind of how to express like no i don't have that or yeah it just it's insane yeah so um but i guess in the midst of all that gypsy is still even though she's being very carefully and heavily controlled by Dee Dee. She's getting older. It's getting harder and harder to lie about her age. And she is sort of gaining some semblance of independence. She's getting Which access really to the internet. Incre- like incredible to me that she was able to do this. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of incredible how her survival instincts kicked in, even though it's almost like a sixth sense kind of thing. Yeah, because yeah. she wasn't privy to this outside world. She wasn't privy to even information about her own medical records. Right. Um, so for her to be able to eventually do what she did by being sort of cunning herself, yeah. it's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean that's it's it's almost a hostage situation. So Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in February of, of uh, 2011, she so she was big into Disney and dress up and characters and Fantasy. all that. Fantasy. Yeah. And so um, you can see a ton of pictures where she's dressed in different costumes. And um, she had gone to a sci- sci-fi convention, obviously, with Dee Dee highly monitoring her and, <laughs> you know, right by her side. Um, but while she was there, she actually met a man. She was 19 at the time, but her mom claimed that she was only 15. Uh, the man was 35, and I guess they kind of exchanged uh, contact information, and this was kind of when she started doing that, when her mom would go to bed, this behind the behind her mom's back contacting him. Mm-hmm, over the computer. Yep. And um, she sort of lured this guy in and tried to sneak away from her mom and tried to run away with this guy Mm -hmm. and uh, the repercussions were bleak yeah um dd basically is a bloodhound so she was able to track the man down through some mutual hours yeah no time at all which is horrifying yeah um and basically dd smashed gypsy's computer and then chained her to the bed. I think this handcuffed is, her to the she, end of the bed. She was describing it that it was handcuffs with some type of like dog leash apparatus. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I think she was there for how long? Like for days. two weeks. Yeah. Yep. So and apparently while she was chained to the bed, her mother would hit her. She would deny her food, nourishment, you know, all the all of her needs and that was her punishment for trying to escape yeah yep 
So after that, I mean, Gypsy apparently didn't learn her lesson, and thank God she didn't. Yeah. Because she probably wouldn't have survived her mother's, you know, abuse and neglect. She gets back online, people, and joins a Christian dating site. <laughs> Christian which, Mangle. As every good young <laughs> Christian gal does. Oh, God. And she meets a fellow by the name of Nicholas. I, I know how to pronounce this one, actually. Yeah, it's Nicholas Go to John. Nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go to John. Watch too many. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so she basically starts talking to this guy, chatting him up. And slowly starts to tell him the full truth about her mom, how abusive she is, and, you know, sort of gets him into the story mm-hmm. and finally asks him if he will kill Dee Dee. Yeah. So that the well, two of them. Yeah. And before, just before we get into that, though, I think something um, important to mention about him is he is on the autism spectrum. He has Asperger's. Yes. Um, so I think that just kind of factors into just factors in it is something to keep in mind as well absolutely um yeah so dd or dd gypsy is sort of luring this guy in i mean this is a really basically a kidnapping victim i mean if you think of her this way oh, yeah that's what i'm saying she's yeah like a hostage yeah she's basically a hostage she's using any any skills she can to get out of there yeah and she finds a lifeline in this go to john guy although i do want to describe him too i don't Bring know if it. you found this no there's another fun fact to, to know about he was him. a weirdo i remember from oh the yeah oh he was a weirdo he was arrested oh no <laughs> at a mcdonald's for Sitting there for nine hours watching porn and fondling oh, himself for nine hours. Oh, that's a long time. Talk yeah. about rug burn. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's not a happy meal. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's a character. Oh, my God. No one's trying to eat those nuggets. Uh, I'm not. I'm hating it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that. So this is the person we're dealing with. I mean, yeah. it takes a creep to kill a creep. And it but, takes a creep to meet a creep. Yeah, it takes a creep to meet a creep. God bless her. I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's a sad situation, but you can really see how these two personalities could collide. So they had been talking online. So overall, since uh, the start to kind of when things went bad, it was about a two and a half year secret relationship. Um, and then in towards the end of it, uh, March 2015, this was, and it shows you how kind of naive and inexperienced Gypsy is. She, in her mind, somehow wanted to legitimize this relationship and magically make it kind of work and her mom accept him and, and know about it and be on board with it. So they set up this plan for, and again, they're, she and her mom are going to see Cinderella. Jesus. Um, I guess it was like the live action movie in theaters. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah, because it was in 2015. Um, And her plan was to have Nicholas go to John just happen to be in the movie theater there. and Not creepy. Yeah, run into them and, and strike up a conversation. And then somehow they would magically be able to, you know, form their relationship in front of their mom or in I don't know. It was Hopefully kinda crazy. he remembered not to fondle himself that day. Well, he fondled someone else. Um, <laughs> so they actually, um, so they were at the movie theater and Dee Dee was thoroughly creeped out because she was like, what is this single man doing in, in a child's movie? 
Um, but they actually were able to, don't ask me how, I think at least in the act, Gypsy went to the bathroom and, and w- was able to go by herself, I guess. Um, they snuck off and actually had sex in the bathroom there. Ooh. Yeah. Movie yeah. theater bathrooms are yeah. dirty places, yeah. especially oh. now at post-corona. But oh, yeah, Ooh. it's not a good thing. But no, not the place one wants to mm-mm. lose one's mm-mm. virginity. Not in the go-to-john. No, <laughs> not the <not>. john <laughs> Even if you've got to go to the john. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to go to the john for that. Mm-mm. No, but... um. So what happened was when she came back, he was being thoroughly creepy still. And Dee Dee pretty much was like, that's it. I, that <laughs> like, he's a creep. Like, no, we're Put leaving. Put the kibosh on it. Yeah. And um, it was pretty much after this incident that uh, Gypsy decided that Dee Dee needed to die. <laughs> it wasn't the years of abuse and neglect. No, it was, you it don't was like my Cinderella boyfriend. movie where my boyfriend wasn't Fuck accepted. me in the bathroom. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, I just have the straight-up killing. Yeah, that. well, that's what we moved to next. So this was a couple months later, so it was... June. Yeah, so March to June. Yeah. So R.I.P., we're coming up on... R.I.P. <laughs> D.D. is going to be the uh, five-year anniversary of D.D.'s death. Oh, that's... Whoa! I didn't even... Did you plan that? No, I just looked this? down. I said, oh, No, you're me. right, but, like, d- that's not why you picked that for... No, what was the anniversary? The 18th? No, it's the... It's today. Oh, shit! Or no, no, it was yesterday. Oh, what's well, It was yesterday. That's was pretty crazy. Oh, June 14th, yeah. 2015. Wow. Yeah, she was killed on the 14th. Crazy. Or, what a, what a day No, she was killed on the 10th. I'm sorry. Even so. Yeah. It was June. And you know what? It was five years ago, and thank God she's dead, because Ugh. that shit was horrifying. Ugh. But basically, I mean, they planned this in kind of a gruesome way oh yeah it wouldn't be the way that i would think like hey i need this person taken out i want it to be like pretty pretty uh simple quick whatever yeah but uh this dijon guy go to john he uh (laughs) (laughs) not little john no (laughs) what (laughs) okay but yeah they decided to stab this bitch yeah so he got into so he traveled again so he lives in wisconsin they're living in Missouri. Um, on the 8th, June 8th, he traveled to Missouri and checked into a motel. So he was there for two days until the 10th. Ugh. Yeah, when he waited for Gypsy to text him confirming that Dee Dee was asleep. Which I'm shocked that Dee Dee even let Gypsy have a phone. I don't After- think she... I don't think... Do you think... I Actually, I don't know. I she don't knew. know. Maybe it was like a burner phone. I, yeah. Or I wonder if he uh, provided it to her. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure. Because I could not see Dee Dee trusting her that yeah, much. Yeah, letting her have anything. Especially after chaining her to the goddamn bed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. So um, so she texted him that she that Dee Dee was asleep. Um, he came to the house and Gypsy gave him a knife. Ugh. And then she pretty much went into the bathroom, covered her ears as he stabbed Dee Dee to death. Ugh. Horrifying. Which is awful. And apparently... <laughs> I mean, Gypsy had a whole bunch of supplies. She gave him duct tape, gloves, the oh. whole bit. Oh, my God. Yeah, she, she must have been watching some forensic files or something. Right? Not to mention, Gypsy sort of said later on that she didn't think that this go-to-John fellow would actually be capable of this yeah. shit. Yeah, she didn't Ugh. think it was actually going to happen, which... It all fits very nicely into the narrative of her living in this make-believe world, but come on. Come on. 
And especially because the two of them banged in Gypsy's room after right. the murder. Well, so here's part of that, too, which is really ooh, fucked up. Um, he apparently had texted her or, you know, messaged her or whatever, saying that he wanted to... He wanted to have sex oh, with Oh, that's Dee Dee. right. I forgot about that. I think I blacked it out because yeah. it was so freaky. It was bad. Ugh. And so Gypsy's compromise was that, no, you can have, you can rape me. I think he wanted to rape Dee Dee. You can rape me and you can kill my mom. Yep. Ugh. Yuck. Awful. That is fucked up. Yeah. And it's so sad, too, because in a way, I mean, obviously, Gypsy has been abused by this woman her entire life. She's been totally and completely controlled. She's been basically a hostage, a kidnapping victim Mm -hmm. for her whole life. But it's still her mom. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there were elements of that. I remember when I watched the documentary just peeking out of like, I want you to kill her, but I don't want you to rape her. I know. And like, I I want you to hurt her, but... I don't like and part of me feels regretful about this because you know even after she was dead I know Gypsy sort of said I'm not happy about this I'm not happy that she had to die right um and she I mean she really had no idea how deep the lies went during Dee Dee's life right until after she died but um no it is I mean you see other people with complicated relationships with their mothers and you know <laughs> yeah this is pretty much as far as it goes huh? oh but but like even at the end of the day it's like there's something about that that's your mom like yeah exactly yeah god i don't know and to die the way she did yeah um so after this they oh, this this is just so insane so they the mailing of the gun yes that was my favorite yes the mail it was a knife but yeah they mailed the knife no, right. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> they mailed the knife to uh nicholas's home in wisconsin and uh to Jip- avoid getting caught with it which by the way <laughs> I, uh, I just you know the train of thought is just not there well gypsy said she's like People buy knives all the time and mail them in the mail. So who would have known the difference? Right. <laughs> That's oh what she said. Classic. And I was just like, oh, God, this is not this is not QVC. No. Or not even QVC. What's that knife channel that's like QVC? So yeah, the Cutco knives uh, and all yeah, that shit. Like oh, the, my God. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but so after the murder, they went back to the motel where Nicholas was staying and they stayed there for two days before going back to his parents' home in Wisconsin. Sexy. Um, and basically, I mean, they took a bus yeah. to Wisconsin. Yeah. And apparently all of these different witnesses saw the two of them walking around together and totally noted, all right, Gypsy. <laughs> now, granted, hindsight is twenty twenty, but dear mm-hmm. God, that wig was yeah, not she, the best she's wig. She's unmistakable. She yeah. is pretty unmistakable, and she's very distinctive looking. Yes. Um, but all these folks, all these onlookers saw Gypsy in a blonde-ass wig walking totally unassisted. Which oh, Which yeah. is hysterical, by the way, because she always could walk. Right. She just was led to believe that she couldn't because of her crazy But she knew mama. she could walk. That's the thing, too. Yeah, she'd she knew walk she around, could walk. you know, at home or whatever and... Although the bitch would probably beat her ass if well, she yeah, walked. She, well, she would tell her, you know, out in public or whatever. But, oof. Yeah, it's so pretty crazy. I guess 
like the way they were sort of found out i mean uh, among just being horrible criminals yeah. is the fact that dd posted like a weird facebook status? no it was actually gypsy oh so they had a shared <laughs> i wish i should have brought it up it was like d and gyps Ew, like like what? some like some weird couple that has a facebook page and she went on there and i have actually the two posts that she so first of all her rationale was that i don't know if this is true or not but that she couldn't bear the thought of her mother not being found for days and she wanted her to have a proper burial so she put these she posted um these two posts on their shared facebook account because she knew people would see it um so the first one is just the bitch is dead. <laughs> yeah. And then the second one is I fucking slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Yuck. Her scream was so fucking loud. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy as hell. Who's going to yeah. have nightmares tonight besides me? Oh, yeah. So she posted these updates and this was what. So neighbors saw these and were very concerned, obviously. Oh yeah, they just <laughs> traced the IP address. <laughs> yeah, they were they were not smart. They so were not. She smart. posted this. It was so yeah, they simple. they were at the the parents' house. Nicholas go to John's parents' house. Um, she posted these and oh, I, I just I don't I don't even know. This is just the craziest case. I think uh, right. it's it's just crazy. So going back to the timeline, June tenth, they killed Dee Dee. June 15th, they were arrested. Hey, that's yep. the anniversary of today. Yep, that's right. Five yeah, years, baby. That's you right. knew it was going to fit in somewhere. Oh, I knew we were close. God. Yep. Well, basically, it was finally um, this sheriff, I guess, who made the original announcement that, you know, things aren't oh. what they appear well, and stuff like that. The the people, the neighbors who saw the Facebook posts were really concerned and they were As like, one would be. Oh, thank God they found her. Right. Thinking, you know, somebody kidnapped this poor disabled child, essentially. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was like, Yeah, we found her, but things aren't always what they appear. Yes. And yeah. Basically, finally, the, the Springfield media popping as it was. Whoa. I'm sure this became the top story pretty instantaneously. Oh, yeah. But they reported that, hey, listen, these Blanchards are not who you think they are. Mm-hmm. Gypsy was never fucking not sick. bland about the Blanchards. Right? No, no man. Um, and she's blanching because of the lack of fluids going to her <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah, she looks pretty blanched. <laughs> getting sick from the medications. But that basically Gypsy could walk. She was never sick. Her mom made her pretend not to be able to walk and controlled her with physical abuse pretty much yeah. her whole life. Yeah. Um, and basically at that point, the Springfield cops were like, listen, people, if you're going to donate any money <laughs> anywhere, do not donate to this fucked up family. Oh, okay? my God. Because these people were living off of a fortune that they amassed oh, from yeah. charities. Oh, my God. Well, they got a house out of it. They got a house. They got trips. They got God knows what. Yeah. And even just, I can only imagine the sympathy of people, you know, bringing over meals or, you know, any type of service or whatever that they could help them out with. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, how about, I mean, the trial made me laugh because you sort of expect people to rally around Dee Dee because mm-hmm. she was such a master manipulator. But obviously, as soon as the truth comes oh, out God. about Gypsy, all of this fucked up abuse 
people start thinking, hey, maybe the long-term victim of child abuse is the real yeah. sufferer here. Yeah. And the person who was violently killed might have had to come in a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, I don't know, funny is the right word, but in this documentary, <laughs> um, when her family back in Louisiana got her ashes, none of them wanted to take them. Ugh, I would not want that shit either. <laughs> and the one sister was... Uh, I, th- I think it was the mom or stepmom or someone was like, well, what should we do with them? And her, Dee Dee's sister was like, I don't know, flush them down the toilet. Like, yep. nobody wanted them. Ugh. And what's funny, too, is um, so first degree murder in Missouri usually comes with the death penalty. Yeah. And or life, or life without parole. Yeah. yeah. So basically, funny enough, because of the extenuating circumstances here, the prosecutor pretty much announced right off the bat that he wasn't even going to look for those damages. Which, it's shocking that he did the right thing, I think. I do, too. You know, I think this was the right thing because she was definitely an abuse victim. Absolutely. And what was yeah. she supposed to do besides... I mean, it was really self-defense, but yeah. it was, you know, obviously provoked over a long period of time yeah. and many, many years of just nonstop abuse and control. Right. Um, But... Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So she finally did get a plea bargain for second degree murder. Yep. So she got 10 years in prison um, and she will be eligible for parole actually in 2024 at the age of 33. Yeah. So, um, but our, our good old buddy, uh, go to John. Yeah. Um, he actually was found guilty of first degree murder um, after a four day trial. And this actually took a while for him to go to trial. He didn't go to trial until 2018. This happened in 2015. Um, and then he was finally sentenced in February of 2019 uh, to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Nice. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> and then even crazier, what's what's our girl Gyps up to today? Yeah. What is our girl Gyps up to today? I mean, she's healthier than she was. Oh, she's healthy and thriving. She's got a fiance. She does. Girl. Oh, yes. Who is this man? Who is this He's lucky just, man? No last names are, are released. There is a picture of him, but his name is Ken. Oh, yes. well, Barbie has finally found yes, her she Ken. Has. Am I right? Yes. She was basically a life-size Barbie doll yeah. for her mama. Well, every rose has its thorn. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Damn. And I'm happy that she's happy. Yeah, I still don't know. I don't know. I think she needs to be in an like assisted living situation. Oh, for the big rest time! Of her life. Well, and basically, she hasn't. She never learned any of these basic coping skills, no. and she's been. I mean, how could you not be severely fucked up after that? Yeah, I, I, like I just don't know how you can even have just the way she dealt with this whole situation was clearly not in touch with reality. No, I mean it was basically she was backed into a corner. It was the frantic action of kind of a caged animal yeah. i mean she really just lashed out in a way through somebody else yeah. but um she kind of used all she could figure out how to in order to get out of that situation yeah so i don't know how you can have a functional relationship after that's that. what i wonder i mean she so her father was able to get in touch with her again and um he and his wife have a really strong relationship with her now um so she does have that support system but I don't know. I mean, it, it's yet to be seen when she actually gets out of prison, how she'll be able to do. Yeah. So to wrap up this episode, we wanted to just give a quick overview of some of the symptoms of Munchausen by proxy. And again, that's where the individual 
does harm to a proxy or a third party um, in order to get attention or care. So it's always sort of a good idea to look out for these qualities in others so that if you see them, you could report them or you can be aware of them. Yeah, and, and hopefully sort of stop something. Something horrible. I mean, this happening. is worst case scenario, but any type of this situation is yeah, not right. Obviously unhealthy. So first of all, the person who has Munchausen's by proxy is almost always a parent, a caregiver. Usually it's a mother. I don't know why. And I was going to look into hmm. that as to why it's mothers more so than fathers or... I bet you it's just probably the natural assumed role that mothers are the caregivers. That's a good point. And it's so if really they're kind of to... put into that caregiving role, like that almost seems like it's what happened here where... Dee was the caregiver. She was a single mother. Um, and then she kind of saw the attention that she could get from Gypsy being in the hospital, you know, all that type of thing. So right. I don't know. Ooh. And it says that um, one of the other qualities is that the person is usually very friendly and cooperative with the healthcare providers. The person appears very concerned. Some actually seem really overly concerned about their child. Um, and some of the Munchausen's by proxy sufferers also suffer from just Munchausen's, which is a related disorder where the person acts as if they're sick. They themselves um, have a physical or a mental illness when the person isn't really sick. So some of these warning signs are if someone's child has a history of lots of hospitalizations and really weird symptoms that don't make sense, worsening of symptoms usually that are reported by the mother or the caregiver and that aren't actually witnessed by the hospital staff. There's also the child's reported condition and symptoms don't necessarily agree with the results of the tests that the child undergoes. There's also... Um, there could be a lot more than one unusual illness or death of children in the same family. Mm, yeah. Really sad. Um, sometimes the child's condition improves in the hospital, but then the symptoms recur when the child goes back home, obviously as a right. result of the caregiver, you know, turning the symptoms back on mm -hmm. through medication or treatment. Sometimes the blood or um, fluids provided for lab samples don't match the blood of the child. Oh, wow. So I didn't other even words, think about that. Yeah, yeah. Tampering with the results, right. getting blood from something else. There also could be signs of different chemicals in the child's blood, in their stool, in their urine. And again, I mean, this is a very, very rare disorder. There's really no reliable statistics regarding the number of people in the United States who have this. And it's really hard to assess it because obviously cases can go undetected. Sure. Um, but because of that, it's important to kind of stay hypervigilant, especially if you're in the medical community, if you're a teacher. Um, I just feel like yeah. you're in the best possible position to try and protect these children and i mean i feel like children are just sort of one example but maybe elderly folks oh, anybody yeah. who's anyone with a disability or you know who may not be able to who may be very reliant on a caregiver yeah easily controlled very tractable thank you so much for listening to today's episode of betsy boss podcast if you'd like to find us online our instagram and facebook are at betsy boss podcast our twitter is at betsy boss pod our website is BetsyBossPodcast.com. And if you'd like to email us, we are at BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.